0: Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with... Matt Statler. And we're excited about this next um, series we're going to engage in. But before we get there, um, you know, Matt, I was reading this morning, as I do, I like to take a gander and look at history and different things that have occurred in history. And you know what happened on this day in 1986? No, what happened? Well, um, the largest nuclear explosion or meltdown occurred. You might have heard of a place called Chernobyl. Um, Man, we have this... Chernobyl? uh, Chernobyl, Chernobyl. You know, this this infamous event that occurred in history in the uh, old Soviet bloc in the the midst of the Cold War, right? And uh, man, it's still kind of talked about. It's still... Um, it's something people think about, think through, and you know, it's still you can't really just walk over there and hang out. You know, if you're visiting Ukraine, um, it's the effects of that explosion or that meltdown are continuous to this day, right? And uh, I man, it just yeah, made me think absolutely. a lot about this uh, series we're gonna engage in on uh, marriage and. What happens when a marriage melts down? Um, it it it's insane to think through um, the effects of a marriage that um, explodes and what it has and and the fallout of that marriage. Sometimes is a lot like a nuclear explosion. Matt, I mean, I could probably ask you, right? Uh, What, what's the number one thing that you really counsel people in or, or talk through and um, you would probably say uh, marriage, right? Um, But I want to ask you this specifically as we get going is um, what is the difference between a nuclear meltdown and a nuclear reactor and uh, draw, draw a picture of that with uh, marriage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you if you think about marriage, it, it can be devastating when a marriage is destroyed. Um, when when things are not working properly in a nuclear power plant, it will begin to um, degrade and erode and everything around it is damaged um, through just massive fallout. And we know the damage that fallout does um, on the world through what we've seen with the atomic bombs, and what we've seen with Chernobyl and various um, various nuclear reactors and plants that have melted down and it just has a devastating effect on so many lives Um, and the whole landscape is destroyed. And that's the same thing that happens in a marriage when it's not operating properly, when it's not tuned uh, correctly and it starts to melt down, the kids are affected. Mom and dad are affected. Their relationships with others outside the marriage is affected. And we just see a massive fallout. But on the other side, when it's working properly, when your nuclear power plant is producing power, it's lighting up hundreds and thousands of homes. It's it's providing electricity for everyone and it's producing something good. And what we see that in a marriage is when the marriage is working like it's supposed to it can change culture. It can change the society. It can change the attitudes of the children when the world um, presses in on them. Uh, We can see that in kids at school. You can tell a lot of times when a kid comes from a broken home versus a not broken home um, because of how they cope and they deal with uh, life's trials and troubles. And so this is why marriage is so important. And that's why marriage is one of the main areas that pastors deal with in counseling, um, anything from mild to great relational issues, um, but also things such as uh, pornographic use of materials and then all the way up to adultery and that broken relationship. And so we we hope to, to talk about several of these aspects of a, of a good
0: marriage. Yeah, man, absolutely. We have, uh, uh, there are so many different, kind of tension areas that occur in marriage. And when there's a breakdown or when you lack vision, if you will, for where the marriage should be going or what it should be representing or doing or how it should function, um, and you, in, you end up imploding, right? And this is why we've seen in our culture right. such, a, such a rise, not just in the secular world uh, with divorce, but even in the Christian family, the the effects of divorce and these relational tensions hitting all time highs. Um, but so we wanted to um, go down this road with you guys. We're going to do a series here on biblical marriage and and not just like what it is, but we're going to work through things like when the when it explodes, what to do, like how do you wade through the fallout. Uh, we're going to talk about. Some practical things like communication and, and man, the ultimate purpose of marriage, which is kind of where we're going to direct our sights for today. So, you know, uh, guys, if you don't know, Matt and I, we love church confessions. Uh, We are confessional people. We like to be tied to the saints of old who have thought deeply about who God is and what we should think about him according to his word. And man, uh, Matt and I would both agree, I think, I think that the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith is the ultimate confession statement. Uh, sorry to our Westminster friends. Uh, you know, you just you just got one little area that you just got it all wrong, man. <laughs> so sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. So um But the beautiful thing about the 1689 is it has a section on marriage. So, Matt, you want to take us through what the 1689 LBC says about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just just some background. A confession is a uh, written statement on theological truths that's been formulated um, by a group Of people at a certain time so this was written um there there's some debate about the 1644 1689 and um, but basically a bunch of baptists particular baptists in um, london decided to get together and write out what do we believe about the bible Um, and that's just a way for us to help think through it so that doesn't mean that we hold this higher than the bible but that means that they formulate a um they're, they're they're saying it in a way that we understand So I've heard people say things like no creed but the Bible. What they're saying is that's the actual creed. And so um, when we say that we like the 1689, that means that it's a really good guiding influence in our understanding of scripture. So this part on marriage is found in chapter 25. And paragraph one says, Marriage is to be between one man and one woman. Neither is it lawful for any man to have more than one wife nor for any woman to have more than one husband at the same time. And they give some biblical passages, Genesis 2:24, which we'll look at later, Malachi 2:15 and then Matthew 19:5 and 6. And then um, paragraph two gives us kind of the reason marriage is instituted. And marriage was ordained for the mutual help of husband and wife, for the increase of mankind with a legitimate issue, which means just having babies. And for preventing of uncleanliness, and then it has some other things in paragraph three, and then paragraph four talks about marriages that the state says is lawful is not really lawful, and um, we we can go into that at another time. But th- I think it's important that we recognize what marriage is, and where do we find marriage in the Bible, Neil?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you referenced a couple passages already just from the confession and the statement on marriage, but um, Genesis 2 is kind of where we see the marriage relationship being instituted. So the first thing, you know, let's look for a second at Genesis 2, 18, because I think that's where uh, the first and foremost or primary principle for marriage that we have to understand is established. It says this, that then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So God has created all things. He's created Adam. He has placed Adam in the garden. Uh, He's given him work and a job. And um, uh, as Adam has been doing this uh, job that God has given him of naming all of the animals and seeing all of creation, right? Um, Man, what God god says is man there's something not good here there's something that that could be much better something that could be very good and so he says this and this is fundamental y'all god says i will make a helper fit for him so the first and primary uh principle for marriage is this that it is an institution that was created by god not invented by man um this is something that the lord saw that adam was ignorant of this is something that the lord decided to do something about it and not only that it it's that god would make something fit for him so it should be a certain way and so that kind of kind of drives us back to this paragraph 1 of the confession right matt uh, right out of the yeah. gate. What's what's the what's the controversial thing of our culture today that it says in the confession? It's to be be between what?
1: <laughs> yeah, marriage is between one man, one man and one woman. Now we could even be even stronger in terms of say one biological man and one biological woman. Uh, because when this was written, they did not have an idea of what we're dealing with today with the uh, sex reassignment
0: surgeries etc right. yeah yeah so right out of the gate we see you know God's going to make something fit as it should that is in line with the way he's already created right uh, he's created with this complementary type of picture right so there's a sun and there's a moon there's there's a a, a an animal of one biological type and there's another animal of one biological type and when those two animals get together birds and the bees baby we we, we get a reproduction be, fruit, be fruitful and multiply right and yeah we see that in Genesis 1 I believe 28 and so man here here we get this this kind of fuller picture of what's occurring right in in more detail here in Genesis 2 so what, where, what happens next is the Lord begins to make this helper fit for him. It says that uh, we can fast forward a little bit, but it says that the Lord but Before caused... we fast forward, Yeah, yeah, Neil, oh. before we fast forward, what
1: I like is God makes all the animals and brings them in front of Adam to name them. And what yep. he's doing is he is showing none of these things are fit for you to be your companion. And I just, I just love the the suspense because God said, it's not good. So what is going to be good? And it just like, it draws right. it out. I mean, it's just, it's, it's masterful storytelling. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no. It, and that's a great point too, because I think one of the mistakes we make today in our culture is um, we begin to look at the things that God has made and make a decision Um to make a decision to serve our flesh, even though it is not the best possible thing for us. And so here in the text, we see how God is showing everything under heaven is not the helper fit for him. And that includes someone like him. God makes something different, but equal to Adam. So we see this in verse 21 start to occur. It says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken out of the man, he made into a woman and brought her to man. So uh, here's the next important principle, right? We talked about that God has created the institution of marriage. Well, we see God giving his daughter, his creation away to man. It says that God brings the woman to man, to Adam. So this is a gift uh, by God. It's like as Adam has seen everything under the sun that God has created, right? God creates something anew and brings her to him. And this is what you've been looking for, right? This is what you've been longing for. This is my daughter and she is for you. I made her for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and man, I just I love the imagery behind it. Like, ever see a wedding where a dad gives away his daughter, right? He's like, this is what I've created. I'm handing it off to the husband. And we see that with God handing off Eve to Adam and saying, who gives this this woman to be the bride, right? Um, I think it's Matthew Henry that says woman was created from man's side, not, to be his, not from his head to be above him, not from his feet to be below him, but from his side to be a, a helper corresponding to it. And that's just mm-hmm. such a beautiful picture of the marriage relationship. One, one note about this word um, corresponding to is one of divine assistance. Uh, we see that in other passages where it's referring to God uh, intervening or helping in battle. Um, And so we see this, um, this relationship. So the woman is equal to man, she she is not greater than or lesser than or, or anything, but man and woman were created to be one flesh. And then I love this poem, um, Neil, in 23, I don't know if you were planning to read it, but it's just like the first poem that we see. Um, And not only is this the first poem, when we see the next poem, it's a poem of death and destruction and multiple wives, And so we see man's fall. Um, so in this, it says, so Adam, after seeing all the animals come through, naming all the animals, and God brings this woman and he goes, this one at last, at last. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty important word. Is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from man. And of course, if you look at it in the Hebrew, it's even more beautiful, but we've tried to work it in our English, but it's just such a great picture of what man and woman together are to look like.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about about like this, Matt, Adam has sat there and he has looked at everything God has created, but when he sets his eyes on this woman that God has made, for him to for human flourishing right and for god's glorification adam breaks out and like boys to men like this is a song right yeah. like <laughs> he's like oh man at last oh <laughs> you know it's like uh uh Brittany and i were watching a video the other day of these uh i i guess they're youtube people i don't know but they're uh it's a black guy and a korean lady and uh, they they were looking at their wedding video and watching it after the fact. And they were at the part where, you know, the the bride, you know, he sees the bride for the first time and man, they just like melt and they're crying and they're so excited. And I can only imagine this picture here of of Adam seeing her and just being thrilled to his core because he knows like that God has taken this, you know, taken her from me so she's kind of like me. She's equal to me, but she's very different from me. And this is good. (laughs) Right. And this is what makes that not good thing that that verse 18 talks about into something very good. Um, Another note um, on the term helper. I think uh, one of our cultural responses to the to the word "helper" is negative, right? Like when you look as a, at a woman, and like, what do you mean, helper, helpmate, helper fit? You know, that's right. that's a that's a negative thing. Well, let me just um tell you this: God Himself describes Himself throughout the Psalms as our helper, and it's the same word that is used here in Genesis two. And this isn't saying the woman is a God or anything like that, right? But what I am saying is that um, this is an important term, and it does not devalue you. It actually um, promotes what you were made for, for the, for the sake of glorifying the Father and for uh, human flourishing. So that's kind of where we see Genesis 2 of in, in the institution being um, built and made um, later later we see a covenant uh, covenants occurring with abraham we're given this imagery for even marriage um, like if we were to define the marriage relationship we would say it's a covenant relationship made between a man and a woman and god for a lifetime and so there's, you know, three parts to this institution. It's God's institution, so He He should reign over it, and it is made between a man and a woman, the 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 fit couple that He has created to work together in unity. And so, what is a covenant? Matt, do you want to tease some of that out?
1: Yeah, covenant um, comes basically of course, from from the Bible, right? And we see that like Neil was saying, um, in the early Old Testament, God's cutting a covenant between um, him and someone else saying that this is what we're going to do. And that I agree to these terms, you'd agree to those terms. And if you break this covenant, essentially, uh, you should be cut in half, basically, is kind of like the graphic image (laughs) we see um, through the walking through broke, you know, animals cut in half and um, but really, it is, it's more than an agreement. Um, a lot of times in, in the Old Testament, we see it's between a greater power and a lesser power. And um, in our case, it's between two equals. And when we say this is a covenant, we mean that it is a special relationship designed by God for the purpose of walking together um, for mutual benefit. Um, And that we are committing, regardless of the other person's actions, to walk with them through this. Um, Now, of course, there are certain things that break the covenant of marriage. And we even see Jesus explain some of the exceptions um, of that. But the design is protection. It's protection for the woman and protection for the man. And that's why we believe that sexual relationships are to be between a married person. Partners, a married couple, um, because it's protection against the brokenness of our hearts, the, um, the everything else that falls into it. I, I love Jeremy Pierre in one of our um, classes at Southern Seminary. He was explaining how he was in um, a literature class. He had one, of course, he was a Christian, but he ended up taking like feminism and science fiction or something, some class he had to take to, just to graduate. And in it, the professor was like going off about Christians and how she didn't like them and all that stuff. And then she says, "Is there a Christian in here?" And of course, Jeremy Pierce said, "You know, yes, I'm a Christian." Or she knew he was, and and basically singled him out and said, "What do you think about marriage?" Or something like that. And he said, "Base," or he's like, or she said, uh, "Do you pleasure your wife in marriage?" Or or something, you know, kind of crass. And Jeremy's like, well, that's very personal. He's like, well, let me explain to you what the Christian view of marriage is. And he went on to show and explain like marriage is this covenant. Um, and he's like, my role in marriage is to serve my wife. And I want to serve her because it protects her from the abuse that would happen if she was not married. And, uh, and he goes on to explain just the beauty of marriage from a Christian worldview. And that, that angry feminist was basically like stunned. She said, that's really beautiful. And then she continued on with her um, her conversation about other stuff. And so what we see is a lot of times marriage gets a bad rap because people don't understand the purpose of it. Kind of like the nuclear power plant meltdown yeah. and the abuses that have, have been perpetrated in marriage. I know that totally. doesn't talk about co- covenants completely, but um, but yeah, the understanding of this marriage covenant is a protection. Um, that's why it's it's poor decision making. And and honestly, it's sinful to live together before you're married. Because what you're doing is you are getting the benefits without the covenant. And you are putting that other woman at risk, you're putting yourself at risk, um, financially, as well as spiritually, emotionally, and the like, and there's no commitment. Um, and that's, that's a dangerous place to be
0: in. Yeah. So covenant covenants are meant uh, for a lifetime, you know, and uh, yep. you know, when we we're thinking about like what is God's attitude towards that principle, right? I think uh, it's Malachi two sixteen, where God says that He hates divorce. Like that's His heart for yep. the separation of a covenant, and uh, it doesn't mean that those things don't happen. But you know, like our earlier analogy, they're a nuclear explosion, and they're awful right? And so we're to hold fast to our God and each other as tightly as possible, because there is, listener, there is an ultimate purpose for marriage. And we see this in Scripture. Um, In Ephesians chapter five, we kind of get a fuller picture of marriage, and we get a glimpse into this ultimate purpose of marriage. So I think the way I would probably uh, define the ultimate purpose of anything, um, first and foremost, is for the glory of God. But the ultimate expression of marriage is to um, is to uh, illustrate for the world this covenant relationship that God has made with his people, that Christ the groom has made with his bride, the church, for an eternity. And so, in in the marriage relationship, we are to reflect that relationship that Christ has illustrated for us. He has he has shown us as he has he has uh, married the church, like they're his, right? And so, we get a big picture of this here in Ephesians five. Matt, do you want to you want to read that uh, text, those texts for us? And uh, in Ephesians five,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, And one of the things that I talk about in marriage counseling, and we usually start at Ephesians 1 and go through the whole book of Ephesians because apart from a relationship with Christ, none of this stuff makes any sense and is even really remotely possible. And so we see, um, starting in verse 21 of Ephesians 5, it says, Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way... Husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, for this reason, and this is a quotation from Genesis 2, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and his and the wife is to respect her husband.
0: Mm. Yeah. So the things I like towards the end. Yeah. Go ahead now. Yeah. Towards the end, here we see um, Paul say, "Hey, this mystery is profound, right? It's a profound mystery how this works and how this all you know fits together. It's it's a." It's this glorious mystery, but what he's talking about, I love Paul because he he tells us <laughs> he says what I'm talking about is Christ in the church. That's the ultimate picture of marriage here. What are you gonna say, Matt?
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say um the reason I like to go for all of Ephesians is because even in verse fifteen. Paul is saying, pay careful attention to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. And then he continues on talking about doing the Lord's will. And then when he gets to this thing about submission, the purpose of this is to help us in this life. Um, When he talks about submission, he says submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And then he explains what submission looks like in the relationship so wives submit to their husbands as to the lord and husbands are to love their wives these are are basically outworkings of what submission to one another looks like in a marriage relationship because then he goes on and talks about children and how do children submit to their parents by obedience how do masters submit to the lord how do slaves obey their human masters all these aspects are how submission works in personal relationships and so the purpose of all this is so that we can walk like christ walked we can walk in the way that christ walks and so this is not a a noose or some kind of yoke that forces us into some kind of um or obedience but this is done out of fear to the lord um, neil you have a, a pretty famous quote that I use all the time um, when it talks
0: about, (laughs) about submission, especially for wives. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, dad, (laughs) he came and did some deacon training for us uh, several years ago. And one of the things he said was um, uh, when he was talking about the marriage relationship, um, he said, you know, men, submission is a woman's to give, not a man's to take. And I think this is where we see the abuse start occur, right? Or to occur. And that's where I think complementarianism gets a bad rap. Because when people look at this doctrine, right, they look at it through, and, and they see it through the abuse, through the lens of an abuse. They look at what the Bible is teaching through the lens of their pain, instead of looking at their pain through the lens of Scripture. And so when we begin to look at pain through the lens of scripture, we see the beauty of a complementarian relationship and how this will lead us towards what we are designed for instead of making decisions in our, uh, towards our own wills and, uh, disobeying God and, and dishonoring the marriage relationship, um, in the way we navigate our relationship with one another. But one thing I want to kind of s- circle us up around as we kind of land this thing um, now mm-hmm. is, is so if the ultimate purpose of marriage, Matt, is to yeah. um, is to illustrate for the world what the relationship that Christ has with His church is, right? If yeah. the ultimate purpose of marriage is to glorify Christ. Uh, and, we, and we're to treat one another in this way and to love one another in this way and to and to walk with each other in this way. How do we do this? How do we accomplish this? I think the text kind of gives us three pictures uh, for how we do this. And so look at verse 24 of Ephesians 5. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, and we can stop right there. <laughs> this is key. Um, who, is, who is the church made up of? Well, it's not just made up of women. It's made up of both men and women who Christ has saved by his grace. And so we see something profound here. And this is so key for men to to <laughs> to to think through and to walk out. It says the church submits to Christ. So men and women are to mutually submit to the Lord and so when we see men and women mutually submitting to the Lord when we see the church submitting to Christ right um, we, we we're quite well aware of where we are going and so for husbands if submission is a woman's to give right then a man is to show his wife what submission looks like as he submits to Christ. She will want to give it to you when she knows where you are heading, where you are leading. And so the three things um, for how we uh, accomplish this ultimate purpose for marriage that I see in the text is that first and foremost, there's mutual submission to Christ. Second, that there is servant leadership. The husband is a leader. He's serving. He's showing what submission looks like as he submits to the Lord. He's loving and serving his wife. Um, he's giving himself up for her, right? We see in uh, verse 25, and he's sanctifying her. Well, how? By washing her with the word. Um, the husband's leading in that manner. And then lastly, we see of of the woman, we see glad submission occur. She is uh, submitting back to um, verse 22. She's submitting to her husband as to the Lord, because she's submitting to the Lord first. And now she's walking this out in her marriage relationship as she is being led to the Lord by her husband, where they both are mutually submitting to God. And it's in these acts where we find freedom and joy and flourishing. That's where we are able to weather storms. So Matt, let's close this way, man. Let's, Let's think through this. How long have you been married now? Uh, about 11 years. Yeah, and and I'm we're in the same boat Brittany and I. We're turning on 11 years this year. So we haven't been married for like 50 years and we're not we're not talking from this uh position of profound experience, right? So so why would we why do you think we would make the decision, hey, we're going to we're going to walk this out? We're going to lead in this way. We're going to love in this way.
1: Well, we make that decision because this is how we live is based on the word of God. Uh, we don't have our own opinions on the matter. Uh, well, we do have our own opinions, but we have to submit our opinions to the word of God. Um, and if if we were truly believe that God created us and he ordained marriage the way he did, then He has a purpose for it, and we want to be in that purpose. We want to. Um, we don't want to be like hammers being used as pliers. We don't want to be pliers being used as hammers. We want to be designed and used for what we're used for. And so uh, we have to submit to God's Word. And so when we see God's Word say, this is how marriage is supposed to be, we want to live out that as clearly and as carefully as we can. Um, and I, I can speak from experience on on my point, when I see people walking in this way, their marriages are much more successful, and um, just in in a, in a joyful sense. Um, and I see marriages that just melt down when they don't operate as God's Word says. Um, and so that's that's for me has been a big comfort.
0: Yeah, and you know, to kind of circle us all the way back towards that. Um, Chernobyl disaster we kind of started by talking about um, when the I watched a documentary on the event but when the tail signs of destruction started to occur that there was a potential for a meltdown uh, or that's where the reactor was heading Right, decisions were made that were not according to how you would normally handle that situation simply out of disbelief or of what could occur or something must be broken uh, on our end and we shouldn't investigate. People are dropping the ball. Um, and I just think, think back of like, okay, if they would, if they could go back in time, right? What does, what different decisions would they make? Would they, Look at the um, the gauges differently. Would they, you know, try and troubleshoot in according to the way this reactor was designed, Um, or would they make the same decisions again? And when we are in a marriage relationship, and man, things are real tense, and relationship is strained, and Frustrating comments are happening or disagreements are occurring over this, that, and the other. I mean, we have to trace back and look at what the design for marriage is to be. And man, I saw restoration in my marriage occur because of this text in Ephesians 5. Um, And I had some direction for how I was supposed to lead and love my wife as her husband and man when i started doing that man the lord started restoring and and when the lord started restoring my wife went back to this text and she started to look at what does it look like for a wife um to love and submit to her husband and she started doing that and man i'm i'm you know if my marriage can make it i'll tell you what (laughs) um god is trustworthy he has a plan And he has a purpose for all things. And we can come to his word and we can trust it. We can live it out because he does not fail us. It doesn't mean that if the nuclear (laughs) explosion has already occurred, you know, you have to walk through the fallout, which we're going to get to later. Um, But um, if it hasn't, man, take a look at your dashboard and make some decisions now. Take a look at your marriage. How are you leading? Are you mutually submitting to Christ? Are you, as a husband, are you leading as a servant and loving unconditionally and without expectation? And wife, are you are you submitting with a glad heart to your husband as you submit to the Lord? Um, love is a choice, ladies and gentlemen. It is not a feeling. Feelings are fickle and changing. You have to wake up every day and decide whether you'll be obedient to God and love your bride or love your husband, or you will pursue your own flesh. And that comes down to the decisions you make each day and in each encounter. So guys, we appreciate you listening to the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Until next time.